If you turn your hymn books to 259, I'm standing on the solid rock. Amen. This is one of my favorite songs. We're going to all stand together if you can. 259. I'm standing on the solid rock. 259. Welcome, everybody, on this wonderful sunny day. What a wonderful day to praise the Lord. Every day is. Through my disappointment, strife, and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain, or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the solid ages, saved from all the storms that rages, raised, not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Even though he's gone now, I don't feel alone now. With comfort came the Spirit of the Lord. Now in his words to guide me, from temptation hide me. I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the rock of ages. Saved from all the storms that rages. Rich, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Now I'm not pressing onward. Each step leads me homeward. I'm trusting in my Savior day by day. And close in our relation, firm is its foundation. So on this solid rock I'll stand. I'm standing on the rock of ages. Saved from all the storms that rages. Rage, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Amen. Mr. Andy, would you pray for us, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of this day. And we can't mm. full house, Lord. We, we appreciate all, we, all the people that come in to hear your word, mm. learn the Lord, yeah. and to, to sing your songs, Lord. We ask you to bless this day. We ask you to uh, bless Pastor's message so that we may get the fullest out of it. Mm. Amen. Please turn your hymn books to 264, please and thank you. 264, just a few pages over. The Solid Rock. Yeah. 
ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenanted blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, rest in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand. Before the throne, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. You may be seated. We'll have pastors come up and do, do announcements. Thank you, everybody. All right, well, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to see you all and be in the Lord's house with our church family. That is a blessing. Uh, we uh, had the privilege of going to some meetings this week. And you know what I always say? It's always nice to go and visit some other churches and, you know, see some different preachers and stuff like that. But it's never the same as our own church. And uh, I just, I love our church and I'm thankful for all of you. And that's a blessing. Um, so just a few announcements. Continue praying about our building project. Just ask that the Lord would uh, help us with that, that he would lead and guide in that, and that uh, as far as the drawings and everything, that he would, he would see to it that, that we get those in a somewhat timely manner so we can continue trying to make progress on that. Also, today is mini-golf. I don't want to call it mini-golf Sunday, but today is the Sunday we go mini-golfing. So... <laughs> Uh, after lunch, we will uh, load up and head on down. Um, I was just talking with Brother Troy. They have a minivan that's got uh, several extra seats. So if anybody, five. five extra seats. So if anyone wants to go but doesn't really want to drive down, he said that he would, they would be willing to, to bring anybody along with them. So that'll help get you there. Um, they do take cash only, but they do have an ATM machine. <laughs> What? Oh, no, not, not Troy and Jeannie. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to help you out. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so Fielder's Choice, there we go, takes cash only. I'm, my brain isn't quite caught up to my mouth yet. Um, so uh, just so everyone knows, they do have an ATM machine if you want to go, but you can't afford it, uh, afford it. You know, I know it might feel embarrassing, but just... Let me know, and we'll make sure that you can go. Um, we don't want anybody to miss out that wants to be there, either for a ride or, you know, for the financial side. So just let us know if, it, if you need help. So um, anyways, that should be a good time. It should be a lot of fun. So pray about that. Um, and then also family camp, September 13th through 16th. I know it's a little ways away, but I want us to, you know, be thinking about it. Registration's open, so you can register anytime. I don't know when registration closes, but as soon as I hear, I will put that out there so everyone knows if you want to participate, be a part of it. It's a Wednesday, so our Wednesday night service that week will be in South Liberty under the big tent. 
it's Wednesday through Saturday morning is kind of like breakfast and then last couple years they've had some young people give devotions I don't think they've done a full message have they on Saturday mornings not usually and then it's just testimony time folks share testimonies of how God's worked in their lives that week um, so I'd encourage you I know it's a commitment it's a financial commitment it's a time commitment um, and it might be a travel commitment too um, you can tent or if you have a camper can stay on site but I encourage you if you can go an emphasis of it is on the home it's on the family all the preaching is not directed specifically at the home necessarily but it will apply and it will help your home if uh, if you hear the preaching and you apply it to your life so it's just a lot of fun and uh, it's different than other meetings because it's uh, everybody there's a lot of people there everyone's just fellowshipping we're enjoying meals together we're together all day Thursday and Friday um, from breakfast until after the evening service um, so it's a lot of fun it's a big help and uh, if you can great if you can't I understand so I'm not trying to pressure you to go if you can't but I'm encouraging you to consider it if you can to get there it will be a help to you so all right I think that's all I have for announcements yep all right we're going to take up an offering and we have a special for the offering today brother Andrew's going to play for us so Caleb would you pray for the offering yes sir God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Please bless the Sunday, Lord. Please bless our hearts with the message that the pastor is being prepared for us, Lord. And please um, help him, Lord, to it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. All right, please turn the hymn books to 420, please, and thank you. Stand with me one last time. 420, day by day. Four two zero. Day by day. Each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best lovingly it's 
singing all right you may be seated all right we'll have cam we'll have pastor come up and preach all right any kiddos that want to head next door you're welcome to do so planning to cover the next message in our Ephesians passage, start dealing with the kids and children at home, uh, but really the Lord just led a different way this week, and we're going to be in Hebrews 11, and I know we were there back in January, but we're going to be there again today uh, and deal with um, some of these things. Maybe a little differently. I mean, we've been in Hebrews 11 numerous times over the years. It's kind of one of those passages that you got to visit every now and then. Right. And it is our theme for this year, so I think it's fitting. But I think the Lord led here because maybe there's some. The Lord knows that we need to exercise some extra faith through some things. I mean, he always wants us to just exercise faith constantly, but maybe there's some that are struggling a little bit with exercising faith. Maybe it's me. The Lord prayerfully will show that to me today if it is. Uh, so we'll see what he has for us, but let's go ahead and stand together out of respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3, and then we will pray and be seated. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we can learn, what we will learn through the pages of your word. And Father, I just pray that you will help us this morning to get from your word, from the pages of your word, exactly what you want us to receive. Lord, would you minister to our hearts? Would you speak through me, use me as a vessel to only speak what you want spoken? And Lord, would you just minister to hearts today? Would you challenge us? Would you change us? Would you convict us and draw us to your word, uh, to you, Father? And we ask these things, we pray them all in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so there's many things that as Christians, God has called us to, commanded us to, expects us to do in order to please Him. Obviously, we're to obey His commands, of which there are many in His Word. Uh, we are to study His Word. We're to pray, witness, live godly lives, be godly spouses, parents, friends, faithful church members, and serve the Lord faithfully. That's, that's just a, a list of things off the top of my head. There's probably other things we could come up with. I think most, if not all of them, would fall under these things. Even, you know, if I say obey his commands, all of those things fall underneath his commands. Uh, we could just get more and more specific if we wanted to, but we won't. So all these things are good. They're great. And they will help us live Christian lives that will please God. But there is something that he says without it, specifically, it is impossible to please him. And that comes out of this passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if we don't have faith, if we don't exercise faith, it is impossible. Well, you might not get your screen today. Oh, you know why? I can fix it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Good thing I suck it under here today. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? The puppets, yeah. <laughs> oh, did Katie bring her puppets? No, I'm just kidding. There we go. Hey, look at that. Hey, we're now we're, we're on on cue. So, all right. So if we're gonna move forward in our church, then we've got to exercise faith. If we're gonna move forward in our personal lives as individuals, we have to live by faith. If we're gonna move forward in our homes. You know, I think about the messages over the last couple weeks on wives and husbands' responsibilities in the home. You know how we exercise those is by faith. Because as we talked about, it'd be really easy for us to look at our situation, 
to look at our spouse and pick apart the things they're not doing and justify us not doing our role. But if we exercise faith like Sarah in Peter, 1 Peter 3, then in spite of what the other person's doing, we still obey God's commands and live out what he's told us to. So, um, you know, in our, in our homes, we need to exercise faith. Sometimes in our homes, we have decisions to make. Are we going to do this thing or not do this thing? Am I going to uh, lead my family in this direction or not lead my family in this direction? And we have to exercise faith sometimes and trust God is going to take care of things uh, if we trust him, if we believe him. So what is a lack of faith? Well, a lack of faith manifests itself as doubt, worry, and fear. And you know, those things, doubt, worry, and fear are debilitating. They will stop us dead in our tracks and will we'll keep us at a standstill because we'll be unwilling to move as a result of our doubt, our fear, and our worries. So what is the solution to that? Well, God talks to you and I as Christians and tells us to live by faith. That's the opposite of living by fear or doubt or worry. He tells us in Philippians, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So when I have that temptation to worry, to be full of care over something, well, I need to bring it to the Lord in prayer and trust him with it. So if I want to move forward, if I want my life to continue going somewhere and I want to do something for the Lord, then I have to live by faith. And... You know, I considered talking about our building project today, and, but we've done that before. I really just think the Lord wants to deal with us about faith in us as individuals, not so much as a church. And the Lord can apply it there if he chooses to, but we're not going to focus on that today. So we have a few thoughts here, and I'll try to start moving along. So the first verse, once again, says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, what is faith? It tells us, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Well, substance, if we look back in Genesis chapter 7. So, there's this, there's this well, there's a couple of things that we're going to apply here in our message today. There is... Uh, I forget the exact reference, but in Corinthians, it talks about comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I apply that to mean when we're trying to identify or define something in the Bible, we can compare it with other scripture in the Bible, spiritual with spiritual, and come to a conclusion. There's another thing which I don't hold to as a hard and fast rule that this is always necessarily going to provide the answer, but there's the law of first mention which sometimes, many times, really, when something shows up in the Bible, if we do a word search and we go back to the very first time that word is mentioned in the Bible, it often gives us a definition of the word. And God is consistent. He doesn't really change meanings of his words. And, you know, that's one of the blessings of using a King James Bible is you can't do that with any other translation. So if you have a different translation and you go, I'm going to do a word study, it doesn't pan out. If you say, well, I'm going to do a, apply the law of first mention and look this word up, it doesn't pan out. And, you know, the complication with that is 
uh, or, or the, the value of us understanding that is we know that if we have the preserved word of God, then it's going to define itself for us. It's going to uh, be its own commentary and provide us the answer. So, with that being said, over in Genesis chapter 7, law first mentioned leaves us to verse number 4. It says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So he speaks about all the living substances. So what's he talking about? Man, animals, all of it. He's going to destroy it. Verse number 23, if we jump down here. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things, the fowl of heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. So now, for sake of time, we're not going to go and look at a ton more verses on substance, but I will tell you, I looked at a number of them. And most, if not, well, we'll say, most, if not all the verses I looked at, and we'll say, I don't know, a dozen and a half different references that I looked at specifically, most of them were clearly speaking about some kind of living substance. A few of them could have included, because it was used in a general sense, could have included other possessions as well. Uh, but it seems to me that in most cases, the Bible is speaking about living, and at the very least, a possession. And if we think about that, faith is the substance of things hoped for. When we exercise faith in Jesus Christ, we gain a possession of salvation. We gain a possession, what does it say in Ephesians? I think it's the beginning of chapter 2. You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. We receive a living spirit, or rather our spirit which was dead is made alive, and we now have this possession. Faith produces that in us. It is a, it is a possession. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things... Uh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Look at Jeremiah. We will look at another reference. I forgot I had this one in there. Whoops. There it is, Jeremiah 32. Actually, we're moving on to evidence now. The evidence of things not seen. So, the word evidence appears in the Bible several times. In Hebrews 11, it says, the evidence of things not seen. Now, there are several other passages where it uses the word evident or evidently, but as far as the exact rendering evidence, it only exists in this Jeremiah 32 passage, the only other place it exists. And I found this fascinating because it, in my mind, it translates quite, I shouldn't say translates, it references or it compares quite interestingly to some things we've studied in the somewhat recent past. All right, Jeremiah 32, 9 to 15. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, 
that was in Anathoth. We'll go with it. And weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it. So we've got something that he's referring to as the evidence. Okay? It, it appears as we read on, it's some form of document that's being subscribed and sealed. It's being written out, signed with their signature, and then it is sealed with an emblem that identifies who it belongs to. That's what the seal is in the Bible. It was a stamp, waxed and then stamped with the insignia that identified who it belongs to. Um, all right, that was verse number 10, I think. That was the first part of verse 11. So I took, no, it was verse 10. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase. Okay. Again, this is the only passage where the word evidence is used outside of Hebrews 11. And it is a document proving a purchase has been made. Interesting. Both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, or Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Barak before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So you've got this document. Really, it sounds like there was more than one document. One was open, able to be looked at and read. One was sealed, likely with this wax and symbol, so that it was identified. We know what it was. And he says to put it in earthen vessels, put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. And then he goes on to say, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. I found it interesting because according to Ephesians 1.13, I think that's the right reference. According to Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, there's the faith, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, faith referenced again, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I find it interesting, the Jeremiah passage, that the seal is put in earthen vessels. What are you and I? We're earthen vessels, aren't we? And the moment we believed, we exercised faith, we received the seal of the Holy Spirit who indwelt us, earthen vessels, and is evidence or proof that one day we will be possessed again in this land, on this earth, except it won't be the same earth. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, just a neat picture. Now, we don't have time to go and really dig in in great depth in that passage, but I think there's something there. I thought it was pretty neat when I was studying and looking at this. So, what is this substance and evidence? It identifies faith as substance and evidence, and the result of our faith are these things taking place.
We have life, a possession of eternal life. We have uh, this seal of the Holy Ghost indwelling us, which is a proof. How do I know I'm saved? What's the Bible tell me? Well, because the Spirit is in you. Because the Spirit is in me. That's how I know I'm saved. And the Spirit comes into me, how? Because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So, if I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, then it's not the Spirit that's in me. Okay? So when a person believes they're purchased by God with His blood, and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who seals them, this is the evidence that they're purchased by God and will one day receive full possession of that inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 20, if we flip over here. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6 and verse number 20. Remember what the evidence is? A, a contractual document demonstrating that a purchase has been made. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. How did I come into Christ's possession, into God's possession? Well, through faith. But that wouldn't be an option if the price hadn't been paid of Christ's shed blood for me to be purchased by him. All right, we'll go back over to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 2. That's chapter 12, verse chapter 11. Through faith, so what did this provide to those who had it? What does faith provide? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So faith provides for us a good report. I read verse 3. I skipped right over verse 2. Nobody told me. For by it the elders obtained a good report. I'm thinking, that's not really what I thought I was reading. So what did it provide to those who had it? It provided a good report. Verse 39 of Hebrews chapter number 11, if we read down or jump down there. It says, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So they didn't receive it. Old Testament didn't see it. Well, I believe they went to Abraham's bosom. They did not go to heaven. Now they're in heaven. Uh, but at that time, they didn't. So even though they saw the promise at a distance, they didn't receive it. We're going to see in a well, I don't know if we're going to get to it or not, but Abraham was looking for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. One day he's going he's to experience that in its fullness. So will all those who believe. So a good report. What is a good report? Well, it's not a good report according to you or I. It's not me looking at somebody's life and saying, yeah, they're a good person. They're in good shape. The good report that's received by faith is a good report from God. And we receive that good report because our sins have been blotted out. Because we've been made clean. Because we're saved and now when God looks on us, He sees the righteousness of Christ, which qualifies as a good report. He doesn't see the righteousnesses of Nathan and my best efforts and look at me and see, uh, well, he's trying, but all I see are filthy rags. 
That's not what God sees. What God sees is the righteousness of Christ applied to my account. Uh, verse number three, if we move on, says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So what did it produce in those that had it? Through faith, they had understanding. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't understand or can't wrap our minds around. It gives us the example that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Well, and that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So understand, when we look outside and we see the trees and the grass and the gravel and this little brook down here, uh, pond, which actually happens to be man-made, but we see all these things, that we see the birds, we see the groundhog out there that's digging holes under the trailer, and Brother Elliot's just trying to resolve the issue for us, but we see all these things out there. Maybe there's an eagle flying overhead or a deer out in the field. Uh, I came down to mow one day, there was a porcupine moving as fast as he could, trying to get into the woods, but I think, David, you might have been here with me. Maybe it was after men's prayer breakfast one day or something, but there was a porcupine out there, and we've had, actually had one Sunday, a coyote came through the backyard. Kind of interesting, but anyway, we see all these things, and we look at all these things. Well, how did they all come into existence? Well, the world is trying to define and explain how that happened. You and I know how it happened. How do we know it? By faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So we understand how everything came to be through faith, we understand. And that's not the only thing we understand by faith or through faith, but that's one thing. Understand everybody exercises some level of faith. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of times evolution says, well, we trust science, we have evidence. They really don't. They're trusting the word of somebody who claims they have evidence. They're putting their faith in that person. They're not putting, uh, they haven't seen the evidence for themselves. And they're believing that they have seen some of it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I wish I had the quote Dr. Martin had put on his slide last time he was up here in Maine uh, from one of the leading, one of the leading uh, evolutionists in our country. I think he was a professor at, I don't know if it was Hartford or one of the big schools. And he essentially said that the evidence actually points to a supernatural creator. He admitted it. But he also said that I refuse to believe that or accept that. So he said, I'm going to believe what we have, you know, Charles Darwin refuted what he had claimed to teach, his theories of evolution. And you, you want to know something? Do, a, do some research on what the actual title of Darwin's book is. Uh, come on, what is it? I can't even think of the first part of it, which is what everybody knows, the origin of species. Do some research, because if the rest of the title has to do with the survival of superior races, that's what Darwin was actually trying to demonstrate. Uh, he was a racist, and he was trying to say that some races are going to survive and other races are not, and he's using evolution. That's what his whole premise was. Um, 
So it wasn't based on science, it was based on his opinion about races and he was trying to come up with a way of scientifically explaining it. We went, we went, I'm getting a little sidetracked, I'll go quick. We went to the uh, Children's Museum years ago down in Massachusetts and we went to, they had this, was it a, it was a, what do they call that, like an IMAX? 2D. Yeah, it was like, all kind of all around you like you're sitting like stacked up and you got this huge screen and this guy goes to the rainforest so it was like a rainforest adventure was what it was so we thought oh this will be cool we'll see like the rainforest and the well the whole thing was this guy who was a fan of Charles Darwin who was alive at the time he went to the rainforest ended up almost dying because he got so sick and the whole time he was there he was studying these butterflies and he found all these butterflies, and they're very similar, all of them, but some of them have one dot on their wings. Some of them have no dots on their wings. Some of them have two dots on their wings. Some of them have like a stripe. Uh, but aside from those little variations, they all look almost the same. So he's brought this about to demonstrate that evolution is real. But you know what every one of those butterflies still had in common? They're still butterflies. I mean, I have thinning hair up here. Ed's got m pretty thick hair up here. Derek's got thick hair up here. Troy has a little less than I do. Andy's got more than I do. Uh, you know, Sally, Alberta, and Morgan all have blonde hair. Don's got red hair. Uh, we got brown hair. Angela back there. I mean, does that mean evolution is real? Or does that mean we all just are still human beings, but we're a little bit different than everybody else? I mean, I'm pretty, I got a pretty good tan right now, and Caleb's pretty light-skinned, even though we've been out in the sun pretty close to the same. I mean, we're all just different. And he happens to be my son, too, so he's got some of my DNA, and yet he's still lighter than I am. You know, I mean, we're all a little bit different, but we're all still human beings. Show me where the butterfly evolved from a, or where a bird was coming out of the butterfly's cocoon. I mean, they can't do that because it doesn't happen. So anyways, I, I know I kind of got sidetracked a little bit, but I, I want to demonstrate that it still takes faith to believe those things. So yes, by faith, they understand some things too. But what they're placing their faith in is not true. And this whole thing has come about really as a rebellion against God. So what happens when we lack faith? Well, we already saw over in verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We won't take a lot of time in this next passage, but back in Hebrews chapter 3, what would the opposite of faith be? I jumped ahead here. Right, unbelief. And Hebrews chapter 3 addresses that. All right, beginning in verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for a year. This is uh, the Holy Ghost speaking to Israelites. This is the book of Hebrews, just to be clear, to the Hebrews. 
Verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. Why were they in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, because of their unbelief. That's why. And it's going to tell us a little more about that. God wanted to bring them into the promised land, but their lack of faith, which was expressed, it manifested itself through fear when they said, we're as grasshoppers in their sight. It manifested itself through doubt when they said, they're great walled cities. We're not going to be able to overcome them. They'll destroy us. And the result was they got to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. What's the consequence of our lack of faith? We don't get to move forward. All right, verse 9. When your father, yeah, we just read that. Verse 10. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You know, they weren't believing God to begin with. You and I, if we're saved, we've trusted God for our salvation, but he wants us to take, he wants to take us further than that. He wants us to live a life of faith. And that life of faith to cause us to act by faith. That's our theme this year. To do some things by faith. So we're going to look at that for a few moments. I do want to encourage us. Isaiah 26.3, I won't have you turn there. But Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Why am I struggling in my mind so much with these things, these issues, and what are we going to do? And my, I'm, A lot of times the, the doubts, the fears, the worries don't come out always visibly to others, but they're going on up here, and the result is we don't have peace. And when we don't have peace, we're pretty miserable, aren't we? I'll speak for myself. When I don't have peace, I'm pretty miserable. And so often, my lack of peace is a result of a lack of faith. I like William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. He expected it, so he would attempt it. His faith caused him to go out and do something. That's a fairly modern example. It's Romans 1.17. I did put the reference in there that tells us the just shall live by faith. And I'll tell you, it is hard to live by faith because our flesh doesn't want to. Our flesh wants to see the evidence. 
Our flesh wants to be able to lay hands on the evidence. We want to experience things that will help us to be more confident. But that's not faith. Faith is acting even when the only thing we have to trust for the outcome is God. When we cannot know, aside from God's promises, that things are going to turn out okay, and we act because we're just trusting that He is going to give us, we're going to receive gain as a result of it. And it may not be financial gain. It may not be gain of possessions. It may be the gain of the trying of your faith worketh patience. It may be that we gain patience, and we might think, well... I don't really want more patience. <laughs> I'd rather have the extra money in my bank account or I'd rather have, you know, not need to put new brakes or a new transmission or whatever in my vehicle. I'd rather, but when those things happen, we just, okay, God, you know, you're going to take care of it. You're going to provide. You'll meet our needs. All right, so what does faith produce? Look in Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. All right, so without taking a long time here, what is so unique about this situation? If my memory serves me correctly, it took Noah about 120 years to build that ark. That's a long time. None of us are likely to live 120 years, unless there's some uh, miraculous new scientific invention. You know, the biggest miracle would be that we make it 120 years and the Lord hasn't come back. I mean, that would be the biggest. But the other part of that is I don't think I really want to live to be 120 years. Yeah, I probably don't. <laughs> The kids were asked years ago at this youth function, how many of you want to live to be 90 years old? And all these people raised, these kids raised their hand. How many want to live to be 100? And all these ki kids raised their hand and my kids didn't. And they said, Pelkey kids, why don't you guys want to live to be 100? Well, we had Erica's grandparents living with us at the time and they were late 80s and early mid 90s. And they said, well, because we've seen what it looks like. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the... <laughs> That was kind of the gist of it. Like, we know what happens when you get that old, and we don't really want to endure that, you know? So, <laughs> oh boy. So, 120 years. I understand pre flood, people lived a lot longer than they do now. But, understand how many of us would spend 30 years working on something? to accomplish something that we don't really even understand why. See, they, didn't, they had never rained at that point in history. So when God told Noah, I want you to build an ark, well, there was no such thing as an ark. So God had to explain it to him. And he said, I want you to do this because it's going to rain. Huh? What is rain? Well, 
I don't, I don't know if God explained it to him or not. He told me he was going to flood the earth, kill all the living substance. Remember we read that a few moments ago? What did Noah do? Okay, God, I don't understand all this. I don't know why exactly. I, I don't comprehend everything that you're wanting me to do, but I'm going to do it. And what amazes me more than Noah starting this project is that he finished it, which took him 120 years to do. I have a hard time putting a whole day into a project. There has been more than one time I've attempted to change brakes on my vehicle, and after hours of wailing on the rotor with a sledgehammer or the backside of a axe or a hammer, I mean, just wailing and wailing and wailing, I've gone, okay, I'm putting this thing back together and I'm driving it to the mechanic, because if I don't, I'm going to put it back together and drive it off a cliff. That's, <laughs> that's where I end up, you know, and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And you imagine for Noah, they didn't have sawmills back then. So when they're taking the wood and they're turning it into timbers in order to build this ark, it's all being done by hand. That's why it took so long. And yet they kept at it, even when, you know, they probably had days they were sore, they probably got some pretty gnarly splinters, they probably dealt with some pretty big hardships. I mean, I don't know, people probably didn't have back issues back then, but maybe they hurt themselves, slammed a finger or the nail, I don't know. But all those things for us cause us to go, I can't do this anymore. But it didn't stop Noah. 120 years he stayed at it. Why? Because he believed God. Because he had faith. He was warned of God of what was going to come. So he prepared an ark, saving his house. All the while the world was condemned. And the result was Noah became an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah was deemed righteous by God. You know what's interesting? Christ had not come yet. And yet he was deemed righteous by God. Why? By faith. It was his faith and belief that God used to apply righteousness to Noah's life. Verse number 8. We're going to read several verses here, but we'll work our way down through them slowly. And we'll wrap up on Noah and Sarah here in this passage. Verse 8. Above when he said... Uh, that's chapter 10. Somehow I will jump back a page. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Look with me, uh, look with me back in Genesis chapter number 12. Don't lose your place in Hebrews because we're going back there in a minute here. Back in Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, 
get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in, the, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So Abraham, God says, I'm going to do all these amazing things for you. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to number your seed like the stars of heaven, the sands of the seas. All nations will be blessed by you. You know how that happens? You know where what seed Christ is out of? The seed of Abraham. All nations are blessed by that seed. Uh, so God made this promise to Abraham. He said, the only thing you've got to do is leave the land where you've lived your whole life, where you're comfortable where your family is, where uh, you, know, you know that everything's going to be okay or you trust that everything's going to be okay because your father's here and he's always taking care of you and you've got the inheritance from your father and you just have all this stuff taken care of. Abraham, I want you to just step out and do this thing. And he did it. He left Ur of the Chaldees. In Galatians 3.6, it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Interesting. We see that pattern playing out right here. And notice in verse 9, well, actually, first, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called out. Verse 9, By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. So God promised him the land, but you realize Abraham's whole life, he lived in the land God promised him as though he was a stranger, and he just wandered around in that country. And you know what's interesting? Is that that whole time, he didn't have land that belonged to him outside of God promising he would give it to him eventually. And Abraham spent his whole life wandering around in that country. All the while he could have said, God said he was going to give this land to me and he still hasn't. I'm going back to my family. I'm going back to my roots. That's what a lot of people would do, but he didn't. By faith he sojourned in the land. All right. Hebrews 13, verse 14. It says, For here, we, uh, here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Verse 10 said, for he looked for us in verse in chapter 11, for he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. That, that is coming. I know I mentioned that already. That city will be here eventually. Uh, and that'll be a blessing. All right, we'll keep reading here. Verse 11. Actually, first, turn with me back to Romans 4. I forgot to read this one. Romans 4. beginning in verse 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, 
not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. I thought Abraham was the father of the Jew. Well, he is. But this says he's the father of us all, not genetically the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom, a him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, made no sense, and yet he believed that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, I love this verse, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. God promised him a seed. He promised him a seed through Sarah. And yet at a hundred years old, well beyond childbearing years, Sarah was 90 years old, well beyond childbearing years, he still was not weak in faith, and he didn't consider the fact that it would be impossible for them to have children apart from God making the promise that they would. That's faith. When we say, this is not possible, but I'm believing God's going to do it. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Again, by faith. Speaking of salvation, that's how righteousness was imputed to Abraham, was by faith he believed God. Old Testament, of course, they didn't have, Christ hadn't come yet, he wasn't born yet, he hadn't died yet, and sometimes people will say, well, they looked forward to the cross. The mode of crucifixion as a means to torture and kill people was not invented yet. <laughs> so they didn't really look forward to the cross, but they exercised faith. And it was by faith in God that God would impute righteousness to them. Verse 11 in Hebrews 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. We just read over in Romans a cross-reference to that. And can I say this? Did Abraham and Sarah ever have doubts? Yeah. They did. Remember Hagar, Sarah's handmaid that she gave to Abraham? And then Ishmael, the son that was born through Hagar? They had doubts. They had periods of times where they struggled. But when push came to shove, they acted by faith and did things that were not typical of human beings because of their faith. They acted outside of the bounds of what the average human would, most human would. 
Even many profound humans would. Verse number 12, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, much like you and I. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, you and I, when we're saved, we are saved out of this world, and our home then, our residence, our citizenship then becomes heaven. And if we're mindful of what we came out of, then we might have opportunity to have returned. We might take opportunity to return to our old ways. So we need to not be mindful. Mindful just means our mind be full of what we left. If Abraham, if his mind was full of Ur of the Chaldees and his father and his mother and his family that he left behind and what he had when he was there, he might have gone back. Did he ever think of it? Yeah, I'm sure he probably did. But his mind wasn't full of it. His mind was full of God and fulfilling what God had told him to do and pleasing God with his life. That's what his mind was focused on. That was verse number... 15, verse 16, But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. These next couple verses we'll read and we'll wrap up. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God tested Abram. Abram, I've given you a promise. I've told you that the seed is going to come through Sarah. I gave you the son Isaac. I've told you that the seed is going to come through Isaac. He is the promised son. He is the one who I have promised to you the seed that I've told you is going to be as the sand of the sea is going to come through. And it's through him that you're going to be blessed. Your family's going to be blessed. And all these things are going to be fulfilled, the promises I've made to you. Now, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and bring him up on the mountain, and I want you to offer him on an on a altar. Sacrifice him to me. I can't, I can't say if in Abraham's shoes, if I was put in Abraham's shoes, I guess I would have to be put in the shoes, because I can't say for certain. I'd like to say, oh, yeah, I'd do it. But I'd be lying if I just stood here having never been in that situation to say, yeah, I'd take my son up on the mountain and I'd offer him to the Lord. I have two of them, so, I mean, I could spare one. I don't know which one, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I mean, seriously, if God put any one of us in that situation, I can't say we would act as Abraham acted. The account over in Genesis 21 and 22 demonstrates that he seemed to hesitate none. There was no hesitation. I'm sure I would hesitate at the very least. I would 
God, am I hearing you correctly? Am I understanding what you're saying? You want me to take my son? Wait, God, the one that you promised you were going to give me and that you were going to fulfill all your promises through, now you want me to take him up on the mountain and take his life as an offering for you? God, I think I'm misunderstanding because this doesn't make sense. I mean, that's the way I'm thinking that it would probably go through my head. That's probably the process I would go through. Are you sure, God? Because if I do this, then your promise is not going to be fulfilled through Isaac. So do you have another plan here? That's our lack of faith. Can you tell me what your plan is before I go out here and do this? Because then I'll be comfortable doing it. But if I don't know what your plan is, are your promises not true now? Like, what's going on here, God? That's what we do sometimes. Are you sure, God? Am I, am I understanding this correctly? Surely this isn't what you mean, because that doesn't make sense. You've told me you're going to do this, and then you want me to do this, which is going to cancel that out, and... That all isn't going to pan out, God, so surely that's not what you mean. I must be misunderstanding you. And if it's from the Word of God, sometimes then people will go and they'll look for something they can use to explain it away and just not have to do it. But you know what Abraham did? Verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. That's our last verse. Abraham acted by faith, taking Isaac up on the mountain, binding him, laying him on the altar. He took the knife. He had it raised above his head. He was ready to take his son's life before God stopped him. And there's a huge picture there because there was a ram caught in the thicket. His horns were caught in the bushes. Some have said it was the thicket was specifically a thorny bush, believing that it was actually the same bush that they used to make the crown of thorns that they pressed upon Christ's head. And the Bible says, Behold, God will provide himself a ram, a lamb. And did he not do that when he sent Jesus Christ to provide himself for the sacrifice? And then he rose Christ from the grave. God provided himself he provided for himself a sacrifice that would be acceptable to him to pay for the sins of all mankind, but he also provided himself as that sacrifice because it is the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to God. Pretty amazing. Boy, whoever made this stuff up was brilliant, because, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. God is brilliant. Man think like God. And the things that we learn about God in the Bible, man just come up with because it really makes no sense. There are many things that have enough similarities that people accept them as religion that borrow enough the truth or that spin their own truth or that sound good so people believe them. And there is no, I hate to call it a story, but there is no, st this one, it's a true story. Understand, I don't, I'm not trying to say it's made up story, but nobody has,
come up with something like this outside of taking from this to make it, if that makes sense. This is one of a kind, is what I'm saying. And it's one of a kind because it's the truth, and it is a truth that God has given us. Everything else is similar because it all comes from the same source. Other things that are out there, if they've borrowed from this, might have some similarities. But man doesn't think the way God thinks. So to offer, to have God offer himself as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of mankind and provide for them a way of heaven, a way to heaven makes no sense outside of God telling us that he did that. Doesn't make sense. I don't believe man would even make up a story like that. We serve an amazing God. All right. So the question, are you living by faith? It's not an easy thing to do. It's difficult to live and act by faith. You know, I know there are some people at church that are going through some pretty difficult things. And they're doing their very best to live by faith. But it's not easy. There's still fear and doubts and worries. But they're stepping out and doing some really hard things because they know they have to. It's what's right. But it's not easy. So I say that to say we need to live by faith, but I'm going to back up that statement or follow that statement with we need to be praying for one another. Because we don't always know what is in everyone else's life, but we do know God's called us all to live by faith. And we can pray for one another, lift each other up in prayer to God, and ask him to help us, help each one of us to live our lives by faith. When uh, one man in the, in the Gospels, I want to say it's Matthew 13, but I could be mistaken, he came to Christ and asked him to heal his daughter. And when Christ said, if you believe, and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. The opposite of belief is unbelief. Sometimes we don't believe. We can pray for ourselves and for others that God would help our unbelief. Help us to overcome it and not be tempted by it, but to live by faith. All right, that's what I got for today. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll dismiss in a couple moments. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I know we covered a familiar passage today. Lord, I pray that you'd use it to help us to understand the need to live by faith. Lord, I, I believe I needed this message today as much as anyone else. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to live by faith. There are times where I struggle with doubts or worries or fears. And I know when they overcome me and I get hung up and stuck and it's not a fun place to be. But Lord, I pray you'd help me to have great faith in you. Help me to trust you. Help me to believe you and help me to rest knowing that whatever's going on, you are ultimately in control. 
Lord, I pray for our church family. I pray for those that are going through hard times. Chances are everyone here has some struggle or trial in their life, some big decision, something they're trying to discern what is right or what is best, some, some direction they're 